Please listen carefully. I will say it's rare that the like keeping it going person is Steph. But you, when you are into something, like when you love it, it's so obvious to tell when you're going back and listening or editing the episodes because the Peaky Blinders one, like never in the history of the show have you talked so much about your pick. We're starting off chaotic. Oh, wait, we got to do the intro. <laughs> Uh, who knows where the intro was? Maybe this is in the middle of the episode. Maybe we cut some stuff at the beginning. I don't know. But welcome back to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister. I'm Christina. I'm Natasha. I'm Stephanie. As my email goes off. (laughs) Uh, we... It's a rough life. It's a rough life. We are recording this episode about 45 minutes before we record another episode. Um, As part of our crossover series with Put a Blurb on it, uh, we're going to be on their channel talking about our favorite books of 2021. So we thought a nice companion piece to that is that on this episode, which is probably going to come out before that one does, um, is we're going to be talking about our best watches of the year so far. Uh, who knows where this episode is going to be? Like I said, we only have 45 minutes. Uh, we are all hot messes. We have just been sitting here strategizing. How can we just go a weekend without recording? Because if I have to talk to one more human person, I'm going to die on the floor. On, on the floor. I had so many meetings last Collapse. week. Disgusting. I'm in so many meetings right now that I just like... I the even right now this being on Zoom seeing your faces I hate this I oh god this is the worst thing in the world why are we doing this it's know. for the fans it's for the sisters uh it's quite frankly and you're, Marina <laughs> you're welcome you just those two you're welcome why because they'll send like a message promptly on Tuesday evening being like where the fuck is my episode we went away and I was like our downloads are going to be hit because they don't have time to listen to <laughs> <laughs> that's Listen, I knew right away something was off because I was like, why have I not heard feedback about the revenge episode? And then I was like, oh, they're on vacation. Okay, I had a whole other pick. I was like, whatever, I'll pick WandaVision because I'm watching it. I'm getting right into it since we have time. And I was, and then I'm thinking, I'm like, but that's a lie because you know what you enjoyed the most this year? <laughs> Peaky Blinders, you little shit. And you can't lie to the, <laughs> you can't lie to the people, the fans that are listening. And I, it's true. She loved Peaky Blinders, y'all. I'm shocked. I'm listening to the soundtrack. You know when you go deep and you're like, I'm listening to the soundtrack on Spotify constantly? Mm, That's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. And something I never, ever, ever say. I was like, maybe I'll rewatch it. Who am I? Rewatch it. She just finished I watching know. it. She's already thinking about rewatching it. If you are like, Peaky Blinders, what's that? Go back. Listen to the Revenge episode. She talked about it extensively. Truly. I have never seen Steph love a tv show like this before the only thing i've seen her bring this energy to is pride and prejudice i mean fair that's fair i don't know what's wrong with me i don't know what's happened to me i'm i'm morphing into the next phase of my life which is peaky blinders <laughs> which is just a, if, if we break it down it's just another aspect of a historical romance if we're being truly, truly honest <laughs> I can't wait for five years from now for uh, Read with Cindy or some other YouTuber to talk about it, not to finally watch it and then be like, oh, you know what was a surprisingly good show? Peaky Blinders. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Bitch. Can't <laughs> I wait. was just thinking this reminds me of the, like, the whole leverage thing that happened. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Don't worry. I still think about it and I still fume. Um, so I just, I just want you also to know that I am now 
Googling photos from season six that aren't even out yet to be like, what's going to go down? <laughs> what's happening? I know who's shown up. I know who didn't show up. So this is still ongoing then. I thought it was done. No, it's not done. I don't know how many. They, might, actually... they might do a movie, I think, that's been thrown out there. A season wow. six season. Who knows? I think the idea is that they were supposed to end around season five because I also thought they were finished. But definitely it has a pretty decent fan base and there's been a little bit of a resurgence so they're probably talking about how to bring it how to bring it back sort of a little bit because it is it is quite good and people really do like it there was also probably an issue that like there's a lot of people that are very busy in that show so i could see it having kind Mm. of like a sherlock issue where it's not necessarily want to end it but like trying to get all those people together you got to get tom hardy in there okay and he's busy he's booked in stuff that it doesn't matter that he's in I mean, if Netflix backs them, they got that money. They got that Netflix contract money. To that's true. That's true. Out. Um, do I even need to say anything more? I don't think so. <laughs> I. This is Steph's pick. Go back and listen to Revenge. Go, if you're wondering what Peaky Blinders is, it's about Killian Murphy looking gray <laughs> in a in a in a cap with searing blue eyes, and then decimating everyone in his wake. And that's that's it. That's all I gotta say. I love that for you. I mean, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I go into it <laughs> episode before this one. It's fresh. <laughs> all um, right, Nat. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I guess it's mine's gonna be so much longer. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. Um, no, no, it's perfect. The time that she saved, you can now put towards your single page of notes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm I feel like me saying single page implied that I thought it was too short. An entire page of notes. It's a rephrase. full page, not double space. Oof. <laughs> so, Girl. Uh, listen, okay, I've watched a lot of things this year, like a lot, <laughs> like too much in fact like i think this is like the first week i haven't been watching consistently no matter what i was doing and i watched a lot of things i loved but even though this only came out what like two weeks ago hands down my favorite thing already what is it oh i thought it was so obvious (laughs) so i've been waiting for something i'll give like a little like a little spiel i've been waiting for something like this for five years i'm just guessing not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not not like this i didn't think it would be like this but you know like back in like whatever year like 2017 or something i was like something's gonna come out and then nothing did and then i've been waiting for this long and then what it did i was like shit it's inside by bo burnham no. <laughs> oh okay i actually thought you were gonna pick them i thought you were gonna pick inside but that whole rundown for me did not click <laughs> Because, like, okay, this is the thing. Back in, like, 2019, before the pandemic, you know how, like, Spotify gives you your top songs of the year or whatever? My top song for 2019 was a song that Bo Burnham did in, like, 2007. And I was just like, oh, I'm not putting that in any, in any public sphere because I don't want to get questions. Wow. But, like, the, the fact that this special has done so well that there's, like, respect on Bo Burnham's name, I'm like, now I can openly say I'm just listening to his music, which is on Spotify. But um, I've never heard of this guys- man. Okay, this is nobody had really heard of this man. Well, I mean, like he, people that watched his comedy obviously knew, and comedians knew this man, but like nobody that's just casually watching something knows 
who Bo Burnham is, right? Like, it's not like a comedian like Dave Chappelle where you're like, I know that comedian. Or like somebody that like rose to fame very quickly with general masses like Louis C.K. as much as I hate to say it. Or like, you know what I mean? Like those types of comedians. He's not like the average guy comedian, (laughs) which like I hate to say that. Hey, this is editing that here. I should add in that Bo Burnham actually rose to fame through YouTube, which is probably why he's a lot more different than other comedians and Steph probably hadn't heard of him because he's not really known for his like on the road stand-up like he didn't rise to fame through stand-up in the traditional sense Uh, to give you an idea of what this new comedy special is um it's called inside obviously but the whole concept is that this Bo Burnham as a filmmaker slash comedian is going in this special project journey where he's just recording his quarantine basically in his backyard in this little house he has in his backyard I think it's like a little like it's almost like a shed but whatever (laughs) but he's like recording in this room the whole time and it's just like in his classic Bo Burnham style it's music he does his songs it's supposed to be like funny like self-critical and all of like all of that but I think the best way to define what this special does is there's a scene where Bo Burnham's lying on the floor with a blanket wrapped around himself and he says, maybe allowing a giant digital media company to exploit neurochemical drama in our <laughs> of our children for profit, you know, maybe that was a bad call by us. And I think that pretty much sets the tone for what this whole special really is (laughs) because like he also kind of set the groundwork for this in an old special where he talks about how social media and the internet and like how it's both a performance by the performer and the audience and so he kind of gives you that in the special where he is the performer but you kind of also are (laughs) as well because it's like it's internal and he's like criticizing himself and the very nature of everything that we consume so like yeah like that basically that's it i think i call it like maybe like a it's technology it's internet it's all of that like i don't know well christina what what do you have to say about it (laughs) i really like it i think it's really good i loved watching it i think bo burnham i love comedy songs too so like bo burnham really appeals to a lot of me i think an interesting thing about Bo Burnham is that he very much follows the white millennial trajectory on a lots of things. Cause like mm-hmm. I consider Bo Burnham fairly popular, but I remember when he was getting popular in like the, his YouTube days really. Um, Cause that's sort of where he started doing his comedy album work. Um, and it was a very like edgy, I make fun of everyone, not quite family guy. Cause it was a little bit more, satirical in like an actual satirical way um but like if you go back and you listen to like oboe there's a lot of really problematic stuff some of his original albums have a lot of really problematic stuff but at the end of the day i will say like at that point in time i was on that level i love that music i thought it was really good and then seeing his progression from that to like what and him starting to like recognize and insult some of his privilege and other white male comedians Again, it very much follows that trend, I think, of where a lot of white millennials are. And so now to see this version of him, I certainly wouldn't consider it to be, like, radicalized or anything. But it, again, is following that same trajectory of realizing, like, there's so much stuff that's fucked up. And he, as a person, has been very problematic in the the past. He needs to be held accountable. 
But also, you know, he has this way of putting a lens on certain things that is really good. One of my favorites actually is the song um, White Girl Instagram, because it starts off making fun of that classic white girl live, laugh, love Instagram. And it's very good. And it's very accurate. It's oh, it's aggressively accurate. It's like the pictures, he does in it, it's so good. <laughs> And then he has this great part in it where he breaks down that white girl posting something about like her mom being dead for like a year. And it's hilarious and sad because it's so accurate that it is very Mm -hmm. funny. But at the same time, it is crushing because like this girl's mom died and the things she's putting in there are true to her. But at the same time, it's a white girl Instagram. So she has a formula to follow. And there was just something about it that I was like, this is just such a smart special. So I, I say, I'm totally with you. I really like it. I do think Bo Burnham is very interesting and in that I feel like he has not necessarily had to publicly reckon with some of the things that he's said before. And I think it's because he does come out as someone that's been like, hey, listen, I've made mistakes. Um, but I'm really interested in where people are seeing him with inside. I'm really interested in where he's going to go. This was such a unique mix of sad and terrifying and hilarious. And I feel like it really captured where a lot of people are right now. So it like, it really, like I got it. I really um, saw myself in a lot of what he was doing because it's such an odd feeling right now. And inside was so good at like taking you from laughing hilariously the one minute and then showing himself trying to record an intro and like how depressed he is, but what else are you going to do? Should you make jokes in this time? Who knows? But I also say like, if you think about like his audience too, I'm going to say probably primarily white and like, oh, yeah. yeah, like it's so like, there's this, the fact that he hasn't had to reckon with a lot of things I'd say probably is because of the nature of his audience. And he probably recognizes that as well, because he does put stuff in there. That's very obvious but he's also kind of like making fun of white people for making it all about them. So it's just like, yeah, he gets it. And it's not like, again, it's not like groundbreaking. It's a very obvious thing, but it's like, I feel like there's things in there where like his own audience might not get, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, who is that for? Because I'm like, when are they going to realize what that actually means? A perfect example of this is in the song where he's like, will you hold me accountable? He has a line where he's like, but that's just an excuse, blah, blah, blah. I've made mistakes. You know, it's it's a whole line in that section. And on TikTok, a lot of white millennials and Gen Z were lip syncing that line, sort of talking about themselves. But it's like, but you don't, because you're doing that, you clearly don't understand. Like you're once again, making it about yourself. Yeah. Like, it's very interesting. I think he's going to be someone that has a very split audience in people that are in on the joke and mm-hmm. people that don't understand the level of the joke and just sort of are like, that's how I feel. And don't get that like, no, but the point was, it doesn't matter that that's how you feel. This isn't yeah. about you. But yeah. at the end of the day, he's a white man making content. So he's still getting paid to make this stuff it's essentially but about him literally criticizing that as well like yeah. even like the end is essentially that like you're just like oh he acknowledges that he like he literally says maybe i should just shut up but he's like but i can't like that's boring <laughs> and i was just like yeah like we get it we're th- we're here for it like this is your job literally 
but like it's also i don't know like and uh, as we're doing this as we're talking about this i'm also struck by the fact that it feels like we're part of the special now where the where we're criticizing it you know like that meta part where he's <laughs> like i'm dying because as i'm sitting here with my headphones i'm like oh my god it's like the scene where he's remarking on his own music or his own he, comedy he literally films and i think this was also very interesting too because again I, I do consider him someone that got his start kind of in youtube so mm-hmm. he talks quite a bit about the idea of like content creation and a lot of that reflects on youtube stuff in particular um so at one point he films himself doing a react video to his <laughs> own music video but his music video stops halfway through and starts being the video of him reacting to it. So he just starts reacting to that. And then he's reacting to his reaction of the reaction. And then it just keeps going. It keeps, And then like you, it's one of those things where it hits a point where you're like, how many, t- how long is this going to go on? Like how many versions of you are you going to react to? And it's just, again, it's one of those things that like, it's a very layered, it's very well done. Also, he turned 30 the year that he recorded this. And so he films himself on his, like, the day before his 30th birthday, sitting in a chair next to a clock. It's 11.59. And he's like, at midnight, I will be 30. And it's just a, like, minute of silence. And then it strikes midnight. And he just, like, sighs. And I remember being like, I didn't need to watch that this year. I didn't need to watch that at 29. Okay, (laughs) sir, I didn't need that. We could have waited a year or two for this. Let me get over the hump before I have to see that. Because there, I, I get it. I get it. Oh, it was, it was very good. Like, I do agree. It's very, very good. Yeah. And like, the more you watch it, and yeah, I have watched it multiple times at this point, because Netflix refused to put the music on Spotify immediately. So I had to rewatch to just get the songs because they kept taking down the songs off YouTube. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> like I was getting so mad. But anyway, so I've seen it multiple times, obviously, but like every time I rewatch, there's something that like I catch that I was like, uh. <laughs> like I'm just like, I'm like, I heard it before, but I didn't like really register it the first yeah. time. But yeah, like this one, very layered. Again, I feel like I am Bo criticizing <laughs> his own content but also how i participated in that content (laughs) Um, i am excited for his return to comedy i think that he's very much a like daniel sloss style comedian yeah and like if we have to have white men comedians like that's my preference agreed yeah like the fact that like he can sneak it and like not that i get that every white audience again like we said is gonna get all of the humor but like it's nice to know that maybe one day they'll look back (laughs) and be like oh shit (laughs) That was that a mistake. Thing? Yeah, I'm very curious yeah. if I'll pick up on anything. I'm like, do I get this? I was going to skip this I, one because I feel like people stop talking about it, but like, I guess I'll go back and watch it. I don't feel like people stop talking about it. Yeah, I'm just seeing people talk about it more and more. But again, circles. Like, I could, even though I think of someone as Bo Burnham as like being very popular, I can absolutely see why Steph, you may have never heard of him. Except the YouTube thing is probably a bit surprising. When was he on YouTube? I guess a long time ago. It was more when he was a kid. I don't really like comedy channels on YouTube or like men on YouTube. <laughs> being real. He's like an American Tim Minchin, basically. So he plays the piano during a lot of his like old musical stuff. Do you think that Steph knows who Tim Minchin is? Oh, fuck. <laughs> he <laughs> created the musical Matilda. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I'm it. Like, who doesn't know who Tim Minchin is? Like, a lot of people. <laughs> You think I know? I, I, I enjoy shocked. a musical. I enjoy. A maybe musical. maybe I'm like way too into comedy. Like this is like I know too many people. 
I, I mean, I think you know fairly popular people, but again, it's like if you watch a lot of British comedy, of course you know who Tim Minchin is. Steph watches some British TV, but again, like I just don't consider this her audience. I could see Steph watching Inside and not being a big fan of it, and I just think that's fine. Like it just might not be her vibe. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. I think she'll I'm like white woman Instagram. Oh yeah, that's the best <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, wait. Top songs though. <laughs> Okay, the internet song, A Little Bit of Everything All the Time, is absolutely the catchiest. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do like that one. Um, and I, I, I always come back to White Woman Instagram. because I find I think that one that the song, catchiest, actually. I find that was so well done. Also, I really liked him doing all the poses of like oh, yeah. a White Woman the Instagram fucking- where he's like got the flannel shirt on with it hanging over his my- shoulder. I love that. <laughs> his like picture in the mirror where he's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the This is an audio podcast. Describe the action. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. People can look it up. Google it. But like, um, I think my other favorite is definitely sexting. There's just something about that song that freaking <laughs> I love it. Also, he looks real good during that song. The only thing about I would disagree about him looking really good in sexting, but that's fine. Look I you were more little... into the beard than I was. Um <laughs> I, the only thing about sexing that I will say is my favorite part is that he makes a joke that someone sends him a peach emoji and he sent them a carrot emoji. And I immediately was like, so do you know about pegging though? Is that why you sent the carrot? <laughs> I love it. Wow, I love pegging. It. I was talking oh, about assholes and romance novels during the cottage week. So like we're, we're coming full circle today. This week <laughs> we've come to an end. Okay, Christina, your turn. We have no time. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, let's go. <laughs> Okay, so this is actually perfect because I did want to talk about In the Heights initially, not even necessarily because it's the best thing I've watched this year, but because I watched it last night and I am filled to the brim with opinions. But be on the lookout. We are going to um, drop a review of In the Heights probably next week, but sometime soon, uh, which means I wanted to pick something else. So I did go with the best thing that I watched this year. And hilariously, it's WandaVision. Oh, shit. So <laughs> so glad that Steph decided to pull that Peaky Blinders thing because if she didn't, I was like, I don't know what to fucking pick then. Hold on. Let me quickly go through my TV time. Um, So yeah, I'm super here for WandaVision. I will say I thought I was out of the Marvel universe. Like I, I, I love the Marvel universe for a really long time. I was heavily involved in it. I went to a movie theater and I watched the entirety of phase one in one day in one movie theater. I spent 14 hours in that goddamn theater. Could not feel my ass after. I ate so much popcorn and Diet Coke that day. Um, and I was invested in the MCU. But the last couple of years, it's been rough, man, because they've been putting out some of the best movies, but they clearly don't care about Captain Marvel and Black Panther and even the um, new, like the Ragnarok version of Thor and Loki as much as they do about others. The weird shit with Black Widow where it's like, why are you even making this movie anymore? Like the fact that you didn't make it 20 years ago or uh, 10 years ago, now you're making it now is like bullshit. I just like thought I was finally out and then they dropped WandaVision. And I waited for WandaVision to be all done in a day so I could watch it all at once because people were losing their goddamn minds over it. And when I tell you that if I had to pick the person in the MCU I care the absolute least about, this absolutely vision. Who gives a shit? He is a toaster. Like, I do not care about him. And the fact that they keep trying to make him some, like, kind of emotional epicenter of the goddamn Avengers, I don't care. He's just a stone. Like, I don't need this. 
I like Wanda. I would love if Wanda did not have a storyline that involved Vision, okay? So I was prepared to not watch this shit. And then people kept saying, oh, Doctor Strange would make an appearance. And that was even a better reason for me not to care because Doctor Strange was a terrible movie and Benedict Cumberbatch is bad in it. And I don't care if you have feedback on that. Um, so I finally, people were in love with WandaVision and I knew it referenced a lot of old classic TV. So like, they did try to pull me in with that because I love TV. I love old TV. I used to spend my childhood watching the Deja View preview channel uh, mm-hmm. on oh, yeah. my parents' cable box. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that shit. And then I, so I was like, okay, you, Nat in particular, you and a couple of our friends were so obsessed with it and so into it. I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait for it to all be done. And I'm going to plow through it in a day and we'll see how I feel about it then. That's what I did. Wow. <laughs> that was the wow, best Wow, when choice. I tell you it was good. Mm-hmm. I agree. I personally preferred watching WandaVision all at once. I think I would have liked it a little bit less if I had watched it week to week, only because especially those first couple episodes, not a lot is happening. And even though it's great to watch for the references, I think it actually worked better personally, being able to see it evolve all at once. It almost felt like a six hour movie. (laughs) Um, But the, oh my God. Which is just Marvel, right? Like that's just just Marvel. When it starts and it has that classic sitcom vibe and it literally was an entire episode of like the Dick Van Dyke show and it's 20 minutes and it's black and white (laughs) and then they roll into the next episode and it's the same kind of idea, but it's like the seventies instead of the sixties. And you start to see more of a like bewitched tone. Um, And it, there's hints here and there about, something clearly is happening. And obviously, you know, something's happening because you're watching a television show. So like, it can't be that this is it. Um, But the hints are subtle and they're dropped and it's just enough to keep you, but I'm like, okay, okay. If nothing else, I'm going to like this because I like the references to TV. And then it drops and it does a very like um, full house uh, family matters vibe. And then it just like keeps going for those first couple episodes as like very sitcoms. And it is so well done in its references. It is so good. All the little things that it drops and all the ways that it sort of starts to tie you understanding what's wrong. And then when it finally jumps to the future and you get to that modern family episode and you realize there's three full hour episodes left. So you're about to go from the TV reference to the actual show is such a good turn like it lets the tv references last as long as it can and then goes okay now we have to get to the movie part of this which is the show that it which is the movie that's happening within this tv show and let's explain what's going on and let's explain where everyone is and it just it was good like i have (laughs) nothing else to come at like the way that that thing unfolded was excellent the Mm -hmm. i don't care what anyone says i love the villain i can't even remember her name yeah um, uh, Agatha. Oh, yeah. Agatha. It was Agatha. The, oh. the way, <laughs> the way they pull her in, the way they include mm-hmm. the witch thing, the way they finally bring out the Scarlet Witch with the idea that like you're not the only witch, you're not special, but you could be with this power. Like very well done, very good. Even the fact that like Wanda. It's all a way, it's basically her entire grieving process as, as in addition to being like a TV show, like she needs to let Vision go in yeah. order for the show to be done. I was like, okay, I like this. The only thing I didn't love 
is that they brought in the concept of the second vision, the vision clone <laughs> who, <laughs> who, who like, <laughs> I was fucking enraged because here's what's happening. So obviously OG vision is gone because OG vision is just her bringing a version of vision back to life that can't exist beyond the city she's created. So he's gone, but they still have the fucking clone vision that has all his goddamn memories. And when you're basically a fucking toaster, that's the same thing. It's the same person. It doesn't matter. Oh, they changed your wiring. It's code. Somebody can change it fucking back, bro. So he's still going to be around. If there's a WandaVision season two, we're going to have to deal with more fucking vision. And I just wish they had just been like, guess what? It's the end of vision. Goodbye, sir. Tony Stark. It. See, you, see you later. Sayonara. We don't need you. Here's my problem with vision. I think... You know, like, that same problem in, like, when you're playing a game and there's, like, a character that has, like, god mode and you're, like, there's no point. It makes it boring. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, I, that's what Vision is to me, but, like, less exciting. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not, it, like, I get that their whole thing initially was he was learning how to be a person because he's basically a robot. Mm-hmm. And like Wanda was his intro to that. And I don't like that in general. But then you jump to whichever Avengers movie it was where they're just like together and he's an Avenger. And now you get to this and I'm like, but it, he's just, he's the like quote unquote perfect person. Like he recognizes that something's going on is wrong. He's willing to sacrifice himself for everything. He's emotionally, emotionally incredibly mature despite being this like robot thing. And he's wildly powerful. Like, again, he's super boring. There's nothing interesting about him. And I also don't love the age difference between the actor that plays Vision and (laughs) Elizabeth Olsen. There's like a 15, 20 year age difference between them. It's like significant. She dated someone in real life with a big age difference, no? Probably. Am I confused? I had a point that I was No, you're probably right. I'm just not sure. Do you you think there's going to be a second season? I was picturing like these are just like blocks till you get to the movie. I well, I thought that it could be that as well, but I do think there's probably going to be a second season. I think what yeah. they're probably going to do is there's going to be TV Avengers where it's like you don't get a movie, you get a show. And then there's going to be the movie Avengers. And the movies are Black Panther, Captain Marvel, other ones that they'll bring about Ant-Man. And then all the sort of like, let's be real, the more interesting side characters are the TV like shows. Loki, yeah. Wanda mm-hmm. are the TV shows. Did you guys watch Loki yet? I, I did watch Loki. So did I. I haven't watched it yet, but I will. <laughs> I'm sure that's it. I like it. This is what pisses me off. <laughs> this, this goddamn, they fucking sucked me back in. I'm so annoyed. Because this whole universe. Do you remember Ruby from, um, what is it called? Oh, frig. The, the show. What is the show? Lovecraft oh, Country? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ruby from the, yeah. I don't know the actress's name, but she's in it. <laughs> Oh, I like her a lot. I was like very surprised that I was like, oh, they set this up first episode. This is, that's all that's out right now. I was like, oh, yeah. Good job. I think I'm going to also wait for everything to be done all at once because I just don't have the energy in me to spend too much this much time on Marvel. Because if I watch it week to week, I'm going to want to talk about it week to week. I'm going to have theories. And I don't like that this very problematic universe run by two people that like we're very good at making it popular, but didn't recognize when they needed to take a back seat. They were two men, you know right? I mean? Yeah, it's the Russo brothers. Is it bold to say oh, that I saw a woman was an executive producer on Loki and I was like, okay, I feel okay. <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> I wonder if WandaVision 
also is like I am going to say it is bold only because executive producer just means that they put money into the project. They weren't necessarily involved in it at all. <sighs> but don't they have a say? Maybe a writer? I'll get back to you. <laughs> you, want, you want a director, a showrunner, a writer, <laughs> even a producer uh, is someone that's a little bit more involved. An executive producer is usually just like a financier. Oh. That's why sometimes um, the female director. actors will push for like, oh, female director? Okay, good. I'm sure it'll be great then. Although I remember hearing that they were talking about what they were going to do is Tom Hiddleston was not going to be Loki in the show. Which they were is get wild. A female actress. To play, because Loki, even in the comic books, is gender fluid and sometimes presents as a woman and sometimes presents as a man. So they were going to get a woman to be like, this is now Loki identifying as a woman for the time period. Wait. Um, Okay, okay, okay. There's something, when you guys watch it, I think they may have still done it. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see if they do, for sure. There was a great TikTok where someone was saying the only thing that they, because someone was making a joke about like, guys, why are you saying Disney's bad at representation? If you watch the credits of the first episode of Loki and you pause at this form that's filled out on the screen for 2.5 seconds and you pause it there and it's very grainy and you blow it up, blow it up, blow it up. You can kind of tell that under sex, it says fluid. (laughs) And they were like, guys, representation, okay? Non-binary kings and queens, and ladies, you Matt, know? You just answered oh, my questions. That's key. That's key. Okay, okay. That's good to know. That's good to this is this explains some things. <laughs> It'll be great to see if that's what they do, because I just assumed that when Tom Hiddleston went out of the running for being like James Bond or anything like that, he just became available to do the show. So they were Sorry, like, okay, he was it's in be the you. running. He was before okay, this was years ago, but before the iHeart t-swift thing uh, it's like a favorite for being a bond and then, and then he made the of- mistake of dragging his own name through the mud it's wild to him that i thought i found him i don't think i ever cared about him but i found him extremely unappealing when he was with taylor swift but now i'm like okay i'm now i'm at a place now that i'm like i think you're attractive i think i care about you but you can't trust it i know that's the i thing. think the kind of attractive he is is not an attractiveness that pairs well with taylor swift he was so into her though. She wasn't into him. And that's was, but that's also what's it like it the vibes were off, man. The sorry, vibes were I'm off. Just, I can't I can't hear about it. But that says it, to no. me that either he has no personality, like like he's just a wet piece of paper personality kind or of it's guy. It's the wrong person. I don't know. I don't know what it's like. It's concerning because that relationship seemed like such a uh publicist created relationship. You know, like, I don't know that I think that he was into her. I think that the role he was playing was someone who was into her because the idea that it was like that it would elevate like both their statuses, but it actually just dragged his down because he was not popular with the kind of people that wanted to see him in a relationship with Taylor Swift. I don't think I could ever watch him in a romantic comedy. I think that would actually disgust me. He needs needs something else going on in a character. What I think is really interesting too is um, I think he is, and I say this, I'm removing the fact that Army Hammer is a cannibal. And I know you're like, why would you need to preface the sentence with that? But trust me. I think he is a successful version of what they were trying to do with Army Hammer for a while. I think that Tom Hiddleston doesn't care about being an indie actor and having this vibe of like British theater superiority that everybody's low-key a little bit into because it is very attractive on him. I think that he 
just wants to be an actor and is super happy to be in a big box movie because he initially auditioned to play Thor, not Loki. Imagine this man as Thor. Like that's what he was going for. And then they looked at him and they went, "Mm, you know what? I think you'd be better as Loki. And then when you give him that very dark and brooding and alternative and interesting evil vibes, he becomes infinitely more attractive and infinitely more interesting. And as this was going on, they started pulling him away from trying to get him into like big budget movies and started putting him in indie movies. So he's in some movie where he like plays a musician and it's about his like relationship with another musician. And it's very like cerebral and emotional. And that's kind of where his career goes. Like you don't see him in big budget blockbusters outside the Marvel universe. He's an indie shit, but I don't think that's where he was like, oh, I'm an indie shit because I love it. I think he's an indie shit because they're like, no, this is the aesthetic that works for you. And the people that watch indie shit want to see your greasy hair all up on some random lady. Like that is what they're looking for. Well, people said the people when you're watching Thor, you're into you're. People thought you'd be into Thor, but you were actually all into Loki. And, like, that was a mind-blowing experience for the Marvel people behind the scenes. Especially the first one, because they really don't give Thor much of a personality in the first one. Um, A lot of it, it, like, a lot of the interest is on Loki. And I do think, like, Tom Hiddleston is a very good actor, so I think that's also why this works. Like, I think he plays those roles very well. But when you think about how they were trying to turn Arnie Hammer into an indie actor before it came out that he was cannibal. Uh, you know, they tried to make him a big blockbuster actor for a really long time with shit from like the man from uncle and other stuff and it just didn't work. So then they put him in call me by your name and things like that. Um, and it also didn't work. I think Tom Hiddleston just a more, uh, successful version of that but with that said we are now kind of hitting our time it's 12 50 we are recording in 10 minutes with uh put a blurb on it so keep a lookout on their <laughs> podcast channel too guys for whenever this ep- that episode comes out come back uh, in thanks August so much for, for a low-key review <laughs> oh yeah absolutely we'll be doing one of those too when will this episode come out it'll still be june yes uh Thanks so much for listening, guys. As always, if you have any comments, what's the best thing that you've watched so far this year? If you have any thoughts on what we've talked about so far, you can hit us up on Instagram and on Twitter at EatsCast and on Pinterest at Everyone and Their Sister Pod. Don't forget to rate and subscribe if you like the episode. If you're on Apple uh, Podcasts, you can do that. If you're everyone else, apparently sucks to be you, sucks to be us, can't do shit, just listen to the episode. Uh, (laughs) Thanks so much, and we will see you guys, or you'll hear from us next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Music credit goes to artists Clearbouts for the and Jazz High for the song Please Listen. Did you even finish talking about WandaVision though? <laughs> no, who cares? But look, I made you some content.